This is a podcast by One Life Christian Church in Baldwin, New York. We pray that the following podcast would encourage you, build you up in the gospel, and lead you closer to Jesus. We remind you that these are simply tools to help you in your walk and ask that you still look for a local church to attend and serve in. Welcome to the living room. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, and he is Jesus, when he said, then he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. I always think about verse 4 here. And forgive us our sins. We talked about that two weeks ago. Asking God to forgive us and repent before him. It's the second, the B side of this tape. If you remember tapes. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. The truth is that we don't do that. So Jesus is saying in this prayer... Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. But I always think about the fact that we as humans, we are terrible at forgiveness. We're so bad at forgiveness. Some people have affected us in ways that are unimaginable. But I love that Jesus makes reference here that our forgiveness is something that we owe not to people, but we owe forgiveness to God. Forgiveness for others, but we owe that to God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. But I want to just give us a quick little nugget. That forgiveness belongs to the people of God. Because we love having enemies, don't we? Some of us might say we don't, but the truth is like we like feeling sometimes. something, Something in our flesh likes being at odds with something. Like it maybe wakes you up in the morning. That little bit of rage makes you feel like you have this false sense of control. But what Jesus says is, Lord, this is what I'm teaching you, friends. Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if he says, forgive us our debts as, which is a comparison, forgive me, Lord, as I forgive others, what does that say? If you are terrible at forgiveness... He won't forgive you any differently. Forgive us our debts as we, comparison, forgive those who trespass against us. Some people can devastate your life and your response is still to grant them forgiveness. That's a lesson right here for us. That should give us fear, by the way. Lord, forgive me. Help me, right? So maybe the the inverse should be our request from the Lord. Lord, help me to forgive in the way, Father, that I long to be forgiven by you. Hold the boat now. Hold the boat. Help me to forgive others the way I long for you to forgive me. But that would take a lot of work on your part. That would take a lot of work on your part. Let's keep reading. 
Verse 5. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go. That's it. That's the first. Sorry. You heard that? That's the first one. Forgive me. <clears throat> and he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Parents know. Parents know. You understand this verse. Verse 8. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I will tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be open i feel like this verse i heard a lot when i was a little kid because little kids can't find anything you send them to look for and in spanish i'm sorry today i'm making a lot of reference to my spanish but my mom used to say this all the time el que busca encuentra he who finds he who seeks will find and as i read this i'm thinking about this morning i'm praying i'm literally going through my through my entire sermon while i'm preparing myself and i'm like the problem lord and forgive me i had to repent i said the problem is that we love the god who answers the prayers but we hate the seeking part it says everyone who seeks will find and some of you sit with me and other pastors, and maybe at your home church if you're not from here, and you say, I seek, I long to have God hear my prayers. I long for him to respond to my need, to repair my marriage, to take away my addiction, to help me find a husband, to help me find a wife. But you forgot an entire part of this scripture, which was, he who seeks will find. Let's keep reading. Verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This again has a subtitle of the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. You might see that in your Bible as well. Jesus teaching them how to preach. So he begins with the request, right? Jesus has just finished praying. And when he comes back, one of the, the disciples asks him if he would teach them to pray. And Jesus responds by telling them, this is how you should pray. And then we proceed to read what we know as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. John MacArthur says this. He says, God loves the aroma of the prayer of his people. God loves the aroma of the prayer of his people. What does that mean? His people, when they pray to God, he says, wow. So the flip side of that is, if you are not a child of God and you still dare to speak to him in his presence, what he hears is clanging cymbals. I wish I had a cymbal right here. As a drummer, I'm a drummer. I've been a drummer almost my whole life. But even I need something to cover my ears when I'm next to a cymbal. And that's what he hears. So for those of us who have no relationship with God, but we still want to go and ask him for things, 
Because he always listens to prayers of repentance. We taught this last week. He is always at the ready to hear and respond to genuine requests for forgiveness and repentance. But if we, as many do, treat God as an ATM for the things that we need in the moment, what he hears is, shh, nothing but noise. But when his children request it is an aroma of prayer to the Father. This is to say that God loves the sound of the voices of his children. And just like song, God loves for us to worship him. He loves for us to worship him in prayer. I think it's needless to say that as a pastor, we get to sit with people with different troubles and stories and situations. And in all occasions, before we, say, we give them any counsel, we say, let's pray. We ask God to lead us in his wisdom because there are many situations that I've even had to engage with some of you. I've never been. <coughs> Forgive me. I've never been in the situation that you're in. I don't always have the answers. Many think that pastors have the response for everything. Well, God, this is, oh, God, pastor, this is my situation. What is your counsel for this? Well, we have to go to the Father for that wisdom. Furthermore, I think responsible pastors also create bridges for people to find real help. Like, this is kingdom work. I don't know how to deal with somebody with depression and crippling anxiety, but I know a professional who also trusts Jesus who can speak to your situation but we carry so much generational shame when it comes to therapy in particular. Friends, therapy is good. I wouldn't ask you to waste your time with secular therapy, though. I wouldn't. I would invite you to sit with a Christian counselor, and by the grace of God, they exist. Quick pitch, if you need it, go online. The website, onelifeli.com forward slash about us, and right there you're going to see a link that says therapist list. It's a list, three pages of Christian therapists. Find somebody and sit with them. If you're nervous about it, sit with me first. Sit with Pastor Justin, who's our discipleship and care pastor, and he will walk with you about some next steps. But there are people ready and able and gifted in helping folks with whatever it is that we're going through. But we ask God to lead us in wisdom. We ask him to listen to the cries of his children. Remember that as we approach God in prayer, I'm just going to do a quick recap of what we've been learning for the past few weeks. First, we exalt God and show him reverence. Jesus says, hallowed be your name, exalted, raised up, and placed upon your throne. We should then repent before him for all the things we've done that require his forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. Remember also, gratitude, remember his benefits and thank him for what he has done. We saw this last week in Psalm 103. If you remember the psalmist, David, King David, saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. But now we come to what I find to be people's go-to part of prayer. This part of prayer is a part that needs not as much teaching. Because people are born with this part, it seems. <coughs> The part where we ask and petition God for something in prayer. I want to clarify this, however. We don't have to need something to come to God in prayer. 
You don't have to need something. Prayer doesn't exist for when you need something. Well, I've decided that this season of my life is so bad that I need to pray more. You should have been praying before. You might be in the situation that you're in now because you weren't praying. But he's faithful. And because he loves us so much, he, if he makes a decision to, he can listen. It is still prayer if you don't ask God to do something for you. Prayer of worship, prayer of exaltation, and prayer of gratitude is perfectly sufficient when it comes to prayer. And that is relationship. Imagine the person who you love, someone who God has given you, or even your children. We, I always know when my little ones come to daddy. Everybody knows that tone. And that tone is, I want something. For me, it's always ice cream. Daddy. We do that to God also. Father, I'm in need. Oh, you call me father, but I don't recognize your voice as my child. But we try to play the same game because we're, it's like built into us. And that's why my kids know how to do it, even though I've never taught them, when you want something, just give it a higher pitch and look cuter. I never taught them that. <laughs> but the things that I teach them, they don't learn. And the same thing goes for us. Amen. That the things that he wants us to learn, oh, no, that's not for me. It says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Ask, oh, I can do that. That's easy. And you will receive. That's your response, Lord. If you're really good, you'll answer my prayer. Well, seek and, oh, 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 oh hold on now. I don't want the seek part. I just want the ask and receive part. We're children. In Scripture, at some point, Paul tells them, we have to be able to present God's people to God through Jesus as mature in Christ. But here we are like, uh, Daddy? Because many of us haven't understood all these other things about prayer that are way more important than the asking to make him the king on his throne, to repent, knees bent, repentance prostrate, begging God for his forgiveness. We play games. That's how I ended last week's sermon, if you remember. Stop playing games. And then we prayed. Prayer is not a game. Prayer is you entering into the presence of God. And if you remember what Isaiah saw, that God's voice shook the ground. There should be fear. Not fear like, oh my God, I'm afraid, but fear which is respect when you dare open your mouth to come to God and say, God, help. But you know what the beauty of that is? Because God is so good that to his children, there is an expectation that you would say, help. And to his children is where this applies. Ask and you shall receive. Let's go back to our text this is a parable, a friend going to another friend, asking him, knocking on the door to ask him for three loaves of bread. And the bread is not even for him. The story says that the bread is because an unexpected guest has shown up at the house. Let's look at history for a quick moment. In these times, everyone had bread. I love bread. 
they would take communal time to come together because it wasn't like turning on the oven as easy as it is it is for us now, right? You have to make a fire. You have to figure out some type of system to contain the heat, to bake the bread. So the community would come together to bake this bread. And when they baked the bread, it wasn't just for them to eat. It was so they would have plenty just in case there was an out-of-town guest. There was no way for you to get mail as easily as you can get it today. There was no text message. There was no email. There was no phone call. They would just show up. And so you had to always have bread at the ready. And he goes, it says, I love that it says, the friend goes to the friend and knocks on the door. Hey, I need bread. And what does the friend say? Well, what is his response to it? He's annoyed. He's annoyed by this. In the ESV, we see the word impudence, right? If you remember in verse, I believe it's eight, we see the word impudence. But check out what the word impudence means or is translated into in the New Living Translation. It says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. Anybody have friends like that? I won't do it out of friendship because I'm your friend, but not really. I look like, this is, when people say that, when the people say that the Bible is outdated, this is the kind of stuff, like, this is still your life today. You call on a friend and they're like, stop bothering me. The kids are in bed already. Like, that's friendship. I believe in friendship, by the way. I'm just saying, like, like we see these broken relationships even early on. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. The first time I read this in the ESV, I said impudence. It sounds like it's the person being annoyed. Like, oh, fine, I'll get out of bed and just give you the bread. You're annoying me. And then when I read it in another translation, I realized, wait, the impudence is in the one who's asking for the bread. Because of his persistence is why the friend said, all right, let me wake my kids up. Let me figure out a way to turn the candle on and come and give you these three loaves of bread. In the NIV, Right? Because we study the Word of God. If we're going to study something, we have to study it. You take, you take as many references as you can. In the NIV, the word for persistence is audacity. So it's shameless audacity. So a daring. And the point of this word usage is to demonstrate the requesting friend's boldness to ask and keep asking for the bread. The friend already said, no, I'm in bed, you're annoying me, the lights are off, I don't have the bread available for you right now. And the impudence in this person to keep on knocking. Prayer is based on sonship with God, not just friendship. And this is not to contrast what we talked about last week. We said that there are those who are friends with God and those who are enemies with God. What this is speaking of specifically is to establish that prayer belongs specifically to sons and daughters of God. Let me make it a bit more mundane for you. One of your kids comes up to me. I may, may not know that they are your kids. They come up to me and ask me for a dollar to buy a cookie. Who are you? I have no idea who you are. I do not have a dollar for you to buy a cookie because I don't even know who your parents are. If we're going to simplify it, it's something as simple as that, that we go 
to father to ask for something thinking we are child, but he has no idea who we are. Now, in his omniscience, he knows who you are, but prayer is for sonship. Prayer is not for friendship. Prayer, friendship in this context is to say, I believe God is real. I believe God exists. Or what I've heard in my office many times, I believe in a higher power. I believe there's something great. That's friendship with God. That, that's, that's, a, that's an acquaintance. What he calls us into is being children of his. A daughter and a son that when we call out for help, he says, wait, which mother in this room? Because fathers eh, might be a little iffy. But mothers, which mother in this room hears the cry of your child and you know that it's your child? That is the urgency of the father. That when his child cries out to him, he, wait, hold on. Imagine when Jesus was hanging on that cross and he begged his dad, please don't turn away from me. And because he had swallowed all of our guilt and all of our shame and all of our sin, he couldn't look Jesus in the face. This is our level of ingratitude. But we still dare to come to God and say, hey, give me this, give me that, give me the other. Oh, my God, you didn't give it to me. You're a bad God. What happened? I thought you cared for me. Wait, you are not my child. You are not in sonship with God. Warren Wearsby, check out what he says. He says, God the Father is not like this neighbor, the neighbor who was annoyed by the door knock. God the Father is not like this neighbor, for he never sleeps never gets impatient or irritable, is always generous and delights in meeting the needs of his children. I have never gone without. I have never gone without. And if I do, he is still my God. And if I do, I will still worship him. And if I do, I will still stand up here and preach. Today, I am without health. I don't feel great, but I will still declare the power of the Lord. <laughs> praise, praise, I'm sorry. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. In Luke chapter 18, we also hear of this widow who is in need of justice. And she goes to a judge and she says, I need justice. And it wasn't because justice is the right thing for this widow that the judge says, give her justice. It says that it was this Luke chapter 18 verses, verses 1 through 8. It says that the judge gave her justice because of her persistence. Some of us, when we come to God in prayer to ask for something, what we lack is persistence. We lack impudence we lack this what was the word i don't want to get it wrong audacity thank you johnny the audacity to come to god to the father and say lord this is what i am in need of but again like warren wearsby says he delights in meeting the needs of his children verse 9 to 10 says and i tell you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks 
finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Why do we ask from God? We ask from God because he is able to respond. If you have the audacity to be impudent, it should be because you are convinced that he is a God who is able to respond to your prayers. Not only to respond because it feels fairly easy to just say yes, but something has to happen. You believe when you ask that he is a God who is able to provide what you are asking for. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, you might remember this from a few weeks ago. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. We ask from God because he is the only one who can answer our prayers. But this is where it gets a little uncomfortable. I've learned this about many people who pray. Many people don't pray to the almighty God. People have made up their own private and personal God that always is at the ready to give them what they want. They have mentally created their God, their own God, and their God has agreed with everything that they believe for themselves. Their God has fit them perfectly. The problem is that a made-up and ideal God is not God. And cannot produce for you what the almighty and only the almighty God can. The almighty is not only able to answer your prayer. He is the almighty that created the heavens and the earth. And also the one who destroyed the earth with a flood. Check out that contrast. The same God. The one who gave us the prophets of the Bible. The one who is jealous for you and for me. And not the way you're jealous with your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, and wife. It's a jealous because of protection and love. The God that is perfect and requires, requires repentance from us. He requires repentance from us. That is the almighty and able God that we should be praying to. Next week we're going to talk about the will of God. The will of God. Because you can ask for what? That's the next question. What can I ask God for in prayer? Anybody? Like, because some of us think that there are things that are too small. I just feel ashamed to come to God in prayer because he's so busy. What? He is omnipotent. Which means he can do everything. And he hasn't even thought about it. He doesn't have to think about it. We have to understand that the almighty is just that, almighty. This is the God that many of us play games with. He can blink and you'll be dead. He can blink and you're saved. But we have created this false God that is, exists with our expectations in mind so to speak, because of us manipulating, right? Some of us have experiences in churches where you have been manipulated and your brain has been washed because we cherry pick individual verses and we go to verses like verse eight. 
I tell you, though, ask and you shall receive. That's cherry picking. That's literally cutting a verse and cutting it in half because you understand that people like to hear the ask and you shall receive part. But what about the rest of it? All of this is not about you asking. The entire first half of, of chapter 11 is about your reverence to God. Before you dare to ask God for everything, do you know who you are talking to? I won't go backwards. If you want to hear more about the rest of this, go back to the last four weeks. What can we ask from God? John chapter 14, verse 13 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What does that mean? Whatever is whatever. You have the freedom to ask God for anything. But he has the freedom to do with he wants with your request it's up to him how he responds to the children of God there aren't unanswered prayers because no is an answer but have you noticed that we find impudence when the answer is no that, that then you have audacity because we don't like no but Lord I told you I wanted her for my wife I wanted him for my husband I wanted that job but that's, it's not for you but Lord, you promised that if I, but it's not for you. It, like your impudence in this case, God is still sovereign. It won't change his response because he's also omniscient. He knows things that you don't know. He knows the holes you might get yourself into way before you get into your hole. And so even when God says no, our response should be what? Thank you, Lord. I don't know why you said no. I still need a paycheck. I'm still broke. I'm still single. But you know why. Furthermore, God doesn't grant us anything that makes him secondary to you. In his omniscience, he knows that there are things that will be for our benefit and things that will draw us away from him. Everything he grants us must be to glorify him. It's not to set you up for success. It's not to sit you in the table with kings. No, he doesn't care about you sitting with kings. He cares about his glory. Let's go back, John, John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It is never about you. It is always about him. You ask God for work, guess what? It's not for you. It's to glorify him. A job and provision allows you, husband, allows you to provide for your family. And yesterday, listen, yesterday, if you didn't come to our financial freedom seminary, you missed out. And no, I didn't record it. Because you got to come. But David, who was with us this morning, he, it was three hours of just goodness. Goodness. Faithfulness that each and every one of us should have when it comes to finances. But he started by saying this, that scripture teaches us that a father... Who doesn't, a man who doesn't provide for his house is worse than an unbeliever. 
That doesn't need context clues, in case you were wondering. That means that if you're not working, my friends, ask God for work. But even in you allowing, being allowed to work and produce and make money and take care of your family is not so that people can be like, that's a good man right there. It's for his glory. Everything that you have, you have because he has given it to you. The wife that you have, because God has given her to you. The husband that you have, because God has allowed you to be in that situation. This morning, I made a bit of a sidestep to my sermon, and I talked a bit about relationships. And I wonder if it's going to hit a little bit in this room, so I'll be quick about it. Sometimes, many times, we ask God to save relationships that he never called us into. So you want me, and sometimes they want to rope us into it too. Can you just help me pray? Whoa. And sometimes you don't know because people like to hide information. So here you are asking for someone to be in sin. I want God to restore my relationship with so-and-so. But God never called you to that. So when he answers no to that, you get upset. God operates in ways that sometimes hurt. But they hurt for our good. When you tell your child that no, they can't have ice cream at midnight, they get mad. And as a parent, I, my wife is really good at this, I am not. I see Allie crying, and I'm like, I I really want to give her ice cream. (laughs) But I know that it's not for her good. Right? So we ask God for these things that will automatically, almost automatically, and it shouldn't be this way, will place him in second place. Some of you have come to me, Lord, I mean, pastor, help Me pray that the Lord would restore my marriage. And the minute God restores your marriage, you're gone. Lord, I'm praying for a husband. I'm praying for a wife. I don't want to be alone anymore. Help me pray for a girlfriend and a boyfriend. And the minute God grants you that and says yes, sometimes it's also because he knows that it's going to somehow turn you back to him. Because... The minute I've seen that happen and God says yes to that thing that you've been longing for, people say, all right, so the prayer worked. Now let me draw away from him. It all comes back to last week's sermon. Gratitude. Friends, we're ungrateful with God. We're ungrateful with God. And perhaps some of us stall to ask God for something because we have not figured out the gratitude part. I'm ashamed to ask anything of my father because I'm indebted to him. I'm indebted to him my repentance to say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've broken your heart. You guys are all at some point in loving relationship with somebody, any type of relationship. But can you go to someone that you have enmity with in the moment and say, hey, listen, do me a favor. Make me some dinner. What? (laughs) I know my wife loves me. But if she's mad at me, because it happens from time to time, it happens. I'm only a husband. It it happens in all of your houses. And in the middle of my wife being upset with me, I'm like, where's my dinner? See, you all got upset. And you're not even my my wife. 
But do you, do you understand? Like there has to be reparation before we dare. And listen, some of our cultures, well, I don't care if you're offended. Where is my dinner? All of that stuff has to be broken. Because even in the, in the personal, the person to person in the flesh, there, there needs to be reparation before we dare have the impudence to come to them and say, babe, you know, would you mind? Like, I'm a little hungry. Would you mind? I mean, even in a good situation, I feel like I'm a little scared. <laughs> right? Like, right? We still have a few more weeks before Diorca comes back to the church. But, like, right? Like, I just said that, and I still felt a little fear. <laughs> How much more when things aren't great? I really did. Pray, pray for me. I can't imagine my wife. My wife, for those of you who don't know, my wife is at home right now watching by herself. She's been recovering from uh, cancer treatments. And um, in just a couple weeks, she's going to be back in the house. So I'm so grateful for that. Amen. All of this to say, and I'll be done. For those of you who are children of God, you have every right to ask anything of God. But when you ask, learn. Not only how to ask. Nobody has to teach you that. But learn God's sovereignty over what you've asked. I don't have to say yes. But even when I say no, love me anyway. But check this out and this is where I'll end. Verses 11 to 13. It says... What father among you, if his son asks for fish, will, give, will instead of fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, you, in this case, us, the readers, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I love that this doesn't necessarily say we'll give you what you asked for. It says that he will give the Holy Spirit. This is my final point. When God says no to the, th to the things that you've been asking for, he will still grant you everything you need through his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. One Life Christian Church is located in Baldwin, New York. To find out more about the church, visit us at www.onelifeli.com.